Welcome to the Emboldened Podcast Season 3. We're happy to have you join us again. This season, we introduce you to new hosts as well as new guests. In keeping with our annual conference theme, this season's podcast theme is Homecoming. Welcome back to the future. What's going on, everybody? My name is Zion Baldwin. And I'm Adrian Perkins. Emboldened's mission and vision is to bring the Emma Bowen Foundation community together. So that means you. We give listeners exclusive access to trailblazers and influential decision makers in the media industry. And our guest for today is Naina Drake. Naina is a highly respected Emmy Award-winning showrunner and executive producer, director, and DJ, who has increased revenue, engagement, and diversity for major brands, media, and tech companies. Her television work includes on-camera appearances, hosting, developing, and producing for television and digital networks, including ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, OWN, Disney, Showtime, Viacom, Apple, Netflix, Complex, Media, Revolt, BET, HDTV, and so many more, just to name a few. And today, Naina is going to discuss her journey as a showrunner, producer, and DJ. So, Naina, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. There's a lot. Uh, we can we're gonna talk about as much as we can get in in this time. But okay, cool. Sounds <laughs> good. Thank you for that intro. That that's a lot, and there is a lot to talk about. So let's let's get into it. All right, so let's dive in. So my first question, or before we even get into the first question, can you just give a little bit of uh, background about who you are, um, and then can you kind of go into how you got into your multifaceted career um, that you're into now? Yeah, I am originally from Chicago, born and raised. I learned about the Emma Bourne Foundation while I was in high school. I was a sophomore in high school when I started at the age of 15, working at Fox in Chicago. Fox was my partner and sponsor company. And at that time, the program allowed us to start in high school. So I did my remaining time in high school through the program as well as all through college. And I worked in every department in the TV station and learned everything about like how each department works together and what they do. And I found my home in the newsroom as a writer and producer. And of course I started as a production assistant, (laughs) you know, they make you start from the ground up, but it was it was a beautiful experience that laid an amazing foundation for my career and just journey in the business. And so I was going to Columbia in Chicago. That's where I did undergrad. I double majored in music business management as well as broadcast journalism. So I was in technically four different departments. I was in the TV department, journalism department, <laughs> music department, and uh, marketing department. So I was across the board doing a lot of things and it was, it was a great experience in every way. I don't remember sleeping at all in college, to be honest with you. I think I napped my way through. (laughs) I am the queen of a power nap. Okay. So 
that is one of the main things that I, you know, I was, I was driven off the adrenaline that I was getting from achieving so much. And I, I would say to everyone that my drive started at a very early age. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I wanted to work in entertainment. I initially said I wanted to be on TV and I did a lot of that while I was working at Fox as well. Um, at different, you know, local networks and being on TV, doing interviews and things like that. But I learned that the power of storytelling, especially in local news, is as a producer, right? The producer frames the story, researches the story, executes the story, and really drives the entire storyline, right? And you call the shots. And so being at Fox and learning how every single department worked together, what everyone did and where that power sat, I was like, that's where I need to be. And it's also the longevity of your career on, a, on the creative side in television production as a producer. So for a lot of reasons, I positioned myself well there and continued on that track. And I haven't look back since. I've pivoted a little bit. You know, you guys, you guys mentioned a little bit of the pivots in the beginning, but yeah, I started at 15 years old and that's a pretty young age to know what you want to do and to go forth doing it. And the Emma Bourne Foundation was the gift that has continued to give me so much in the way of my career, uh, connections, relationships, and just so much. And I'm super duper thankful. And for me to be now a director at the Immigrant Foundation is a full circle moment for me because it helps me give back to all of those young creatives that want and know what they want to do, right? Like I share my journey, but everybody's journey is different. I'm one of many, so many people, um, men and women of color that want to work in this business and want to be great at what they do. And if there's anything I can do to help give back, that is like, a blessing and a gift to me. Like I love giving back. So that's a little snippet <laughs> specific to EBF. And yeah, I've, I've learned a lot. I've done a lot. And that is where it all started. That's awesome. So you said something that's a bit unique. We haven't heard that, you know, people, or you don't usually hear that people know exactly what they want to do at such a young age and your drive started, you know, as a teenager. I guess, how do you feel like that happened? And what do you feel like, is that just something you were born with? Like, you know, an innate drive? Or do you feel like there's something that had truly motivates you? Like, how did that start? I would say both, right? For me, I do believe I was born with the instinct and the drive to just do and be great. That was a gift that I was given. But also, in growing up, I grew up in very unfortunate circumstances. And my mom was a single parent at the time. And I saw her struggle and just work so hard to take care of myself and my siblings that I started working, like working a job at the age of 12 because I was trying to help my mom take care of us. Like I lied to get a, wor a, a work permit, which I got in trouble for, which that's the only like a real life lie I can remember. I was like, that got me and I never did it again. <laughs> but I'm like, it was for good reason. Like I was trying to help, right? But I started working at 12 in order to help take care of my family. And so for me, I, I tapped into what I felt like I was good at and what came easy to me, right? There's things that are easy to do, 
but there are other, there's gifts, right? There's skills that you can learn. And then there's gifts. What is your gift? My gift was communicating and storytelling and sharing other stories and working with people, like being around people and being able to connect with people that did not know me or did not know anyone. And I was able to connect easily with people just off that. And so for me, that was, I learned that. And then I started figuring out how I could move within that as a career. So I would say both definitely to answer your question is like, I knew I had a gift, but it took some moving around and kind of doing stuff in school and, you know, in my work environments to be able to actually realize what that was and go and dive into that. So, and I've stayed driven, you know, I take breaks because with that type of mentality, you burn out, you will, right? (laughs) You'll burn out because you're going like a thousand miles a minute. And I've had certain times within my career where I have worked out and I've had to take a break, like, during the pandemic, right? While most people were like not working. It's like, I can't work. I'm not working. I worked probably more or just as much, if not more than I was before the pandemic. I've worked three years nonstop. Actually, I don't remember. I feel like my last vacation was literally in like 2004, something crazy, right? But a nonstop three-year work period through the pandemic and before. So I took off right now. We're in September you guys are watching this, whoever is going to be listening or watching this. I took a break from mm, July, mid-July until now. The only thing I do right now is the stuff with EDF. But as far as production work, I've worked on so many shows, I had to say no to them um, and step away from shows because I was just tired. My brain was fried. So you have to learn balance. Like balance is massively important. No matter whether you're doing like a high level job or you're doing something that's what people would consider just routine and brainless, right? Like you have to find balance in your career and your personal life and just your inner peace or else you will just not be living a full life. So for me, that drive taught me the lesson, (laughs) the hard way of life that you have to have balance. So, yeah. That's that's really important. I like that answer. Just the whole topic of wellness in general. I think it's super progressive and something that's coming up in conversations, policies and practices a lot today. I kind of want to switch gears a little and um, ask you kind of, so I know like you work with the likes of HGTV, ABC, Fox, Revolt TV, and even more. So out of all of those channels that you've worked with, who's been your favorite channel to work with and why? And then can you go into what's been your favorite show that you've produced and why? That is a hard question. <laughs> um, am I going through all of them? I, okay, I'll say this, that I've enjoyed working with all the networks that I've worked with. Let me just be clear on that. It's been a different experience every place that I've worked. And there's been good and bad, right? There's been pros and cons to each one but I have absolutely had a great experience at every place that I've been, right? So let me get that out there. But also the shows that I've worked on, I have selected shows with very specific intention. So if you look at the resume of work that I've done, all the shows are based off of positivity, like music, 
mindedness shows, career, business, you know, growing thoughtfulness. Like there's all, there's a positive spin on everything that I've done. And it's, that's been consistent throughout my career. I've said, I've said no to a lot of stuff, right? Like, and I'm good at no, I can say no in a lot of ways and you won't even know I said no. (laughs) But as far as my favorite, I don't really have a favorite. It's, that's that's really hard. That's like saying, what's your favorite song? Like, okay. What if we switch it to most memorable? Well, I'll just, you know what I'll do? I'll speak about the, the most recent. Because um, I've done award shows. I've done scripted shows. I've done non-scripted shows. I've done music shows. I've done live shows. I've done sports and like literally everything, right? So I'll speak to the most recent show, which was with with a network and a new network and a new talent that has been on the reality side of television. And initially I said, you know, I pushed back on it because for me, I don't do reality TV. That's one thing you won't find me doing. You know, there's a place for it and I respect it for what it is. It's just not what I do. And but I will say this. I took on the opportunity, one, because it was an opportunity position to position the talent in a different light. So instead of putting them in the place that everyone has seen them in for so long, I chose to take the route of this person being business minded. Let's show them doing great things. Let's show them, you know, helping others, sharing business ideas, how they've taken that platform of reality TV and turn that into, you know, a positive and multifaceted business for their family, right? And so that is why I took that that on. And it was challenging in a lot of ways because even from the production side, I got ideas and thoughts that were pushing, wanted to push in that direction of reality, right? But I'm I'm great once I've focused on what I want to do and we collectively as a team come up with what that is an agreement that's what you're going to get. And so there's times when you'll you'll do that, right? In production and then they'll get it and they're like, "Oh, well where's the drama? Where's the <laughs> where's the, <laughs> you know, I don't do drama. That's like not my thing. I've done Disney sing-alongs. Like what are we doing? We're taking celebrities and we're singing Disney songs. Like I want my name to be attached to great content that is uplifting, positive, inspiring. There's enough of not the opposite of that out here. And for all those that work in that space, that's a that's a whole nother space, right? I, like I said, I respect it for what it is. But for me, my name is attached to a very specific type of content on the digital side and broadcast side. And I don't waver in that. Like I said, I've said no a lot. So favorites, that's hard because they're all different. I will say this, that for those who are listening and considering coming into the space that live productions are a whole nother type of pressure and expectation, whether it's a live award show, news broadcast, sports event versus something that's pre-recorded, right? I had an Apple show that I was doing that was portions of it were pre-recorded and that's a lot of pressure, right? Um, you're dealing with talent that sometimes shows up when they want to show up, <laughs> right? You know. Um, things you have to shift and adjust and really learn how to work within those parameters and know when that stuff happens, that if you're the leader, like if I'm the showrunner, executive producer or director of a show, 
and it's a live show and our talent's not here, what are we doing, right? Like the team is going to base their energy off of how I move. So if I'm frustrated, I'm frazzled and all those bad things, they're going to reflect me and I don't do that. So I would say that I'm known for working in environments that are high pressure, high stress and remaining and keeping the environment as cool, calm and collected and peaceful as possible for myself and for everybody that's in that room, right? Like I'm known for that. And I think that's why I continue to thrive in that place. But it's also for me as a a very spiritual person, it's absorbing a lot of that. So that's why I have to say breaks, long breaks. (laughs) So yeah. That's a great, great point. And you said that you want to make sure that your name is attached to great content. Can you talk about the importance of a good name? Yeah. I mean, I think our reputation precedes us when we are going into situations. And it also is going to remain and linger when we're no longer here on this earth. And so our reputation is, you know, not just in the business world, it's in our friendships, it's in our intimate relationships, it's in all of the things, our social like goings and movings, right? Like, so if we think about our reputation in that way and the value and how much, how important and how much that affects your happiness on this world and then whether you're leaving a solid mark or not on this world, like your legacy could be positive or negative, right? But someone said this to me, (laughs) I was doing radio at the time and uh, one of my producers, I was was talent and, and one of my producers said to me, he's like, you know, He's like, somebody said this to him. He's like, you could be, you could be either really good or really bad. Pick one because everything else in between that is forgettable. If when you're basic and, you know, like kind of vanilla and don't have an extremity of positiveness or negativeness, everything in the middle is quite forgettable. People remember extremities and I'm not telling people to go out there and just be wild and crazy. I'm not saying, (laughs) I think you should pick what feels good to you, right? And do that and do all the things that flow within that. And for me, I just, I know where, where my vibe sits and I know what works well for me and I know what helps me sleep at night and I know what helps me wake up to be motivated in the morning, you know, and there's some flexibility there. I believe in taking calculated risks, of course, like you have to step out there sometimes and get a little uncomfortable, but for the most part, I want my name attached to positive content, positive vibes, positive energy. When anyone interacts with me on any level, whether they see me on Zoom or hear me on the phone or listen to me on the radio or come or watch one of my shows or come watch me DJ, whatever it is, I want you to feel like, feel good. Like people remember feelings. When we leave this earth, we're going to have all these titles and you know, all these things, like all the things that we've accumulated, right? But the one thing we're going to remember and we're actually going to take with us is our feelings and our memories, right? And so the people that flash in your mind when you may, you know, transition, however way people think about that, is that's all you're taking with you is your feelings and your memories. And I want to be a person that like, that isn't imprinted in a positive feeling for everyone I come in contact with. Yeah, I believe that. I truly live my life. Like people don't remember what you say. They may not even remember what you do, but they always remember how you make them feel. Absolutely. 
Yes. Thank you for that perspective. My next question kind of was, you kind of had your start with the Emma Ball Foundation and you started out in a new station and then moving forward. How did you find a way to set yourself apart and then elevate from there? I made myself available. I was eager and excited. I was joyful and pleasant. And I was open and willing. Like all those things, right? When you think of being an intern or someone at not somewhat of a mid or senior level, you're at a, an entry level position coming in. You have to be open and willing to work with everyone and take on responsibilities that are not under what your job title says, right? Everyone wanted to work with me because they saw that I was good at what I was doing and that I was super joyful, super happy. I was happy to be there. I, I was literally happy to be in the room. And for those listening, I know you guys know because you're alums, right? But you're only obligated to go to your station or wherever, you know, your partner company during your breaks, right? Like your summer break, your big breaks, right? You're not obligated to be there all year long. Well, I decided to stay in Chicago, work at Fox because I got the opportunity. I decided to stay there and go to school there as well so that I could literally be at the station as much as possible. So when they let me in, I never left. And I actually bought a condo. I moved next door and I bought my condo next door so I could just never leave. <laughs> and I know that's a unique situation, right? Like most people don't do that, but I'm, I have home angels is what I call them. So wherever I go, it is convenient for me to live and do and be what I want to do. And, and doing all the things that I want to do. I don't have to drive and commute. You know, I've never had to do that. But basically, you have to be present, pleasant, right? Pleasant to work with when people meet you and greet you and you say yes to things uh, and are available and open. And if you say no, it's because you physically can't do something, right? Like, I, that's, that's how I am. Like, usually it's a yes, it's, it's usually a yes with me unless I can't do something. So when I was at my station and partner company for all those who are the inter current interns and fellows that are listening, but also those who are just listening about being an intern in general, right? Like show up, be happy to be there and be willing to expand beyond what the basic expectation of you is. Because that's how you're going to get more responsibility. That's how you're going to be able to work in more departments. That's how you're going to learn more. That's how you're going to do more. That's how you're going to grow more, right? Like all that is going to enhance you in so many ways. So that was the vibe that I showed up with. And that's how I was able to literally like move and flow through that experience, you know? And I took that same attitude and you know perspective with me when I left and that's how I've been able to move and flow through different you know I guess parts of the entertainment business in the same way I love that and you're speaking to like different parts of the entertainment business and you know I don't live life with regrets but if I could go back to college I say I would be a DJ so how did you start DJing? What made you, you know, pick up the turntables? Were you like always into music? And just talk a little bit about, you know, how you're doing that still today. I actually started when I was 12 DJing. Um, I was in junior high and going to school on the East Coast. 
there was a program somewhat similar to EBF, but different. It was called ABC Houses on the East Coast. If you're, you know, if you remember those, you remember them. But my aunt and uncle were running one. And basically what that program did was take inner city kids and put them in a really good school system in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and my aunt and uncle were running one of those. And my mom sent my brother and I out there to go to school. But they were managing basically 10 young men from New York and New Jersey. They were all minorities. My brother and I, we were minorities with our cousins. And so it was a junior high and a high school that we all were going to. But we couldn't relate to the other kids there, right? We grew up in different environments. We were listening to different music. We had different stories to tell. And so we had to start throwing our own parties because every time we tried to kick it with them, it was awkward. It was like, (laughs) this is not our vibe, right? So I ended up, I was always the kid that had a lot of music and I was the one taking my headset and putting it on my friend's ears. Like, listen to this. This song is amazing. Like I was the one that was walking around singing songs, you know, little kids that do. (laughs) I was always her. And I've always loved and had a deep passion for music ever since that I can, I can remember. And my mom used to play music on Sundays or just throughout that, the, the week in the house, like loud. Just It wasn't about TV for us. It was about music in my household. And so that resonated with me in, you know, from a very young age. So I ended up being our DJ, basically, <laughs> for our house parties that we used to throw. And... It was the beginning of me seeing how you can control a room with music, right? Like I had, and what was funny is while we, when I say we, myself, my cousins and my brother and I and the kids from from New York and New Jersey, we couldn't relate to the kids from the suburbs in the middle of Massachusetts, Connecticut. We were in the middle of the state, right? Um, What happened, what I learned was that music was very regional as well. And so I would bring music, like house music is what we're known for in Chicago. And I would bring house music to our house parties. And they were like, what's that? Like, you never heard that before, you know, because the guys in New York were listening to like reggae and just different stuff. So I learned about music being very regional at a very young age, as well as like how you can control a room whether you make them happy or not happy (laughs) based off of what you're playing, right? And then, you know, I was too young to like buy our own turntables or any sort of equipment. So I focused on television for some time and then I needed, I needed to do it. I didn't, it wasn't like a want anymore. I had to DJ, like I had to do it. And this was before there were many women DJing at all. There weren't a lot of DJs, period. It was like, it was a very unique niche to be a DJ. And I remember a friend of mine, she was doing an internship at the Gene Siskel Theater in Chicago. And I had been asking people, you know, help me, help me. I want to learn. And a lot of people actually didn't take me seriously. They didn't want to help. It was a lot of guys I was asking. And a lot of people did not want to help me. So I ended up having to ask friends for more help. And one day my friend said, oh, we're doing a theater, a viewing. And before the viewing, we're doing a reception. So I guess the DJ is supposed to be really good. You should come and ask him, you know, if you if he can teach you some stuff. And so I went and I was like, hi, you know, I introduced myself really nice. I was like, hi, my name's Naina. Um, and I, I want to, you know, how to DJ with equipment, you know, the right way or whatever. And I wanted to know if you could help me. And he was like, no, <laughs> he shot me down real quick. And, but, but he said, I'm about to work. 
He's like, you see all this equipment? I'm not going to let you touch any of this until I know what you know about music. And so I was like, okay, that's fair. So I sat there and I watched him the whole night. I watched his set and I helped him carry his equipment to the car. He said, go home, download the software, make a mix for me. And then I'll, you know, I'll talk to you later. Fast forward two days later, he gets, I mean, I sent him that mix that night. I go home, I'm so excited. I sent him the mix and he's like, okay, I see, you know, music, you know, you, you know what you're talking about. Right. And then, uh, he hangs up on me. He's like, I'll, I'll get back to you. <laughs> Calls me back a day later and says, Hey, I'm doing this party. Uh, do you want to open for me? And I'm going to tell y'all, it was literally the, the most scariest, but the most exciting yes I've ever said in my life. Literally. It was the most scariest yes I've ever said because it was something that I knew I wanted. But remember, I went to this person asking them to help me. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> right? Oh, so, you said what? How big was the event? It was like a right, like a club. It was at a real nightclub in Chicago. So it was hundreds of people there. But he was like, open up. He's like, it's not going to be anybody there, um, you know, in the beginning when I did it. Right. So I said, okay. I was petrified, but I was so excited. I couldn't, you know, I, I immediately said yes. And I ended up going to another friend and literally sleeping on their couch. They had a setup in their living room and he let me play with Serato. This is when Serato was like coming out or it had been out a while. I just didn't own it. And I remember I was practicing and he came in the room and he heard me and he was like, no. He's like, your blends are terrible. He's like, you don't know how to blend yet. Just do this. He's like, just cut it. Basically slide the, the, the fader all the way across. He's like, don't try to blend because it doesn't sound good. And I gave myself some grace. And this is the lesson in that, that I said, guess what? I'm going to go do this set. I'm going I'm, I'm to do my best. And as long as the music doesn't cut off, I'm okay. <laughs> right? Because most people don't even pay attention to the DJ unless the music cuts off. So I said, cool, I'm going to go do this. And I'm just not going to press the wrong button and turn the music off. So I go and I DJ. I was only supposed to DJ for 30 minutes. 30 minutes was the full time I was supposed to actually DJ. I ended up DJing the entire party. Oh he, my God. <laughs> the guy who brought me in, he came up there for maybe 10 minutes, but he came up to talk on the mic. He never DJed. I DJed the whole party. I DJed for five hours. Okay. My first DJ set at a nightclub was five hours long. Oh my God. So I hear you always have to stay ready because you never know. <laughs> you know, and, and you know what? You have to just get ready, right? Stay ready, be ready, get ready. But also don't be afraid of saying yes when it's coming from the core of your being and your heart and your soul and your spirit and your passion. Like, don't be afraid to say yes. And then also give yourself some grace, right? Like the grace that I gave myself was, I'm not going to cut this music off, y'all. <laughs> and my blends might be a little rough, but as long as the music doesn't cut off, I'm good. And I was, I was in a mind frame of only doing 30 minutes, but I did a five hour party and that adrenaline that I got from that and that rush that I got from that, I have never looked back. That was, that was a life-changing moment for me. So 
That was a very long answer to your question. But there's multiple lessons in that. And I hope that that translated well, because the lessons are life changing for me. And I'm sure that if anybody picked up what I put down, they're going to take that away too. Yeah, I I agree. And I think you said something else. You said that you gave yourself grace. That's something that I've been trying to practice. You know, I think we all want to be successful. We all see amazing things for our lives. And we might put all of these, you know, unnecessary or unintended pressures on ourselves. So how do you handle and how do you continue to give yourself grace without becoming comfortable and complacent and, you know, you know, blaming yourself for things going awry or not going the way you thought that they would go? I think if you, you know how they say set yourself up for success, set yourself up for grace. And what I mean by that is where is your ease of flexibility and not being perfect, right? I was a perfectionist for a very long time and I knew everything that was like mapped out in my schedule. Every five minutes I knew who I was talking to, why I was talking to them, for how long I was talking to them and what I was doing next. Like it was like my life was quite regimen. And I remember getting to LA and learning that having a full schedule of things, assuming that I knew everything I was supposed to be doing. Again, I'm coming from a spiritual perspective is like, no, God has other plans for me, right? And if I think I know I'm right all the time and that I'm perfect, then <laughs> then I'm not going to have availability for even God's appointments, right? So give yourself and your life room to breathe. But also when that happens, it's okay. To, that's, that's part of that balance, right? Give yourself, you can work hard, but you, and I don't believe in the work hard, play hard. I believe in working smart and relaxing and giving yourself peace and to recharge. Think about the athletic mind. And I was an athlete as well. Athletes don't go, 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 go. They have to recover, right? After every game, after every, you know, intense workout, they have to recover. You have to rest and recover in life. You know, your mind, your spirit, your your body, everything in you has to rest and recover. But also, if you're going into a big situation and it's you're nervous, right? It's it's a big deal for you. Then give yourself, have a conversation with yourself and say so. Guess what? I would love for everything to go perfect. Right? That'd be great. <laughs> but where is my room of flexibility of grace for myself? And for me, in that DJ set, I was like, okay, I can't, I can't be perfect. My blends are not that good, but I know music. What am I great at? What am I going to kill this experience, this moment, this opportunity? What am I going to kill at? I'm, I know my music. I'm not, I don't question that. I'm confident in that. So I know as long as I play the hits back to back, it's going to be cracking, right? Like the whole time, right? So I got that. We're not, we're not afraid of that. But my blends are at the time they were they were not good they were not smooth right and in chicago you got to know how to blend you have to know how to blend the east coast dj's are known for just cutting 
like they're talking over and like cutting us on, right? But in Chicago, you are not as respected as a DJ if you do not know how to properly blend. And that's all types of music, right? So I was like, guess what? I'm getting there. I ain't got time. I ain't got time to learn right now. But what I do have is grace for myself. So I'm going to do my best. And as long as the music doesn't cut off, that was the grace I gave myself. As long as the music don't cut off, we winning. <laughs> right? It's going to be cracking. You're going to hit a hit back to back to back to back. And what was so cool, too, about that night was I had my 30 minutes set, like mentally, like I don't, and I don't, I don't do playlists when I DJ. You know how some people, they'll be like, oh, you know what you're going to play every song. No, I don't do that. I I play off of vibes, right? Like I, I want to play what I want to hear, but I also play what the crowd wants to hear. So you got to have a real good inventory of music and that I definitely had. So what I also remember is that the music didn't cut off. I was killing with the hits and I did not repeat any songs to make your first set what was supposed to be a 30 minute set, a five hour set, and you did not repeat any songs, I killed it. Yeah. I don't know what them blends sounded like though. <laughs> <laughs> Promise you that. I have no idea what they sounded like. But she was getting the hits and the hits and the hits and nobody came. He came, the, the guy came up and got on the mic to just say a couple words. He was up there for like 10 minutes dancing and whatever. And then he left me. You so, got it. He said you got it. <laughs> Look, I got, God got it, okay? God was up there with me because I promise you I was not what I considered ready for a five-hour set. But, but yeah, you got to give yourself grace in every way, every day, every day. They're so, like, being adult is not, an adult is not easy, y'all. Like, nobody, <laughs> nobody. There's no rule book. There's no rule book. No one tells you. The adult handbook. Maybe I'll start that. Maybe I'll write the, the adult handbook because I promise you, our parents do our best, right? They really do. Our parents do our best, but they teach us what they know. And the truth is that we have to give them grace because they're still learning, right? Our parents don't know everything. They, they're teaching us the best of what they think we need to know to prepare us. But there's a lot of us sharing, which is why things like this and this conversation is important. Books that are out there, but no one's condensed it into a step one through 10 on life, right? On being an adult. It's not easy. It's and not. for you to wake up every day with a smile on your face, ready to, you know, conquer the day and be better than you were yesterday is a gift, a blessing. And you should be proud of yourself every day for that. I woke up and I meditate every day. That's one of the things that I do. Every day that I have like time to like do it, but I, I try to intentionally meditate at least five days a week. And this morning I said, I want the grace and the courage to be smarter than I was yesterday, more caring than I was yesterday, happier than I was yesterday, more giving than I was yesterday, more humble than I was yesterday. I asked for that out loud. You know, I don't just meditate by myself. I'm I'm a vocal person, so I'm in my house speaking my requests to the universe. That's how I do. So, you know, I would encourage others to do the same. Yes. And thank you so much again to all of our listeners. Thank you all for listening to Naina's story. Next week's episode will be just as amazing. So please tune in to all new episodes of Emboldened on Apple Music, Spotify, and everywhere else that you 
get your podcasts. If you want to learn more about Emboldened Podcasts, please visit www.emmabonefoundation.org backslash emboldened-podcasts.